Hello and welcome back or welcome for the first time to the Keeping Your Keys podcast. This week, we're focusing on altars. I love, love, love altars. And for me, they are the center of my spiritual practice. They're the center of my witchcraft. I always have an altar uh, beside me. If you've ever watched a video, you'll see an altar um, in the background. I have an altar in my bedroom. We have like the family altars. We have little altars everywhere. Altars are a way for me to be reminded of where I find meaning, how I connect to Hecate and the other spirits. They're a source of beauty and joy and creativity, and they inspire me. This is a conversation that Kristen, Liz, and I had a couple of weeks ago in Covina, our coven of Hecate. If you'd like to join Covina, you will find a link in the show notes. However you create your altars, I hope they bring you as much happiness as mine do. Hello, and welcome to our conversation all about altars. I love altars so much. And when I think of what is at the very center of my personal practice, what really unlocks Hecate and her deeper world for me, it is my beloved altars, which are companions and helpmates, portals to the deeper world, and really trusted allies for me. I love altars. I love the creativity of creating them. I love the attunement that can be achieved through the different components of an altar. I love like the fine mist that a well-set altar emanates through the energy of a space. Altars are amazing. And of course, they are gorgeous and they bring us such joy. And so we are here today to celebrate altars, which are such a great thing to be talking about. So we'll begin like we always do. Um, and if you have altars, you can work with this candle and just incorporate that cleansing energy and extend it as we go counterclockwise. Just see any energy that's clouding your altar or clouding your connection to the altar, to see it being released. Like a breath of fresh air is just blowing through. And now let's cast it around us. Protecting ourselves and each other and connecting us to our altar. So hail to our altars. They are spirits onto themselves, aren't they?
So for our invocation today, I just wrote a little verse. Well, I'll read that. This is just an example of the type of incantation that you can create um, for activating your own altars. Great Hecate, I create this altar in your honor. This is an expression of my devotion, my commitment to following your torches and claiming the keys of your mysteries and healing. Great Hecate, may this altar unlock these and more. I call the spirits contained herein to life. May they work in unison, creating a portal of power. I bless these spirits and I honor them. Great Hecate, I place this offering upon it to express my gratitude. My intentions are true and my will is strong. Hail Hecate and all the spirits. As it is spoken, it becomes so. So where do we even begin with altars? There are so many things to discuss. So Liz, you are here. You, I know you love your altars. You know, I and, do. And I love you my things. are also the purveyor of many things that go on altars. That is true. I, I do like to have nice altar things at Materia Magicaea. Interesting altar things. Things you might not find other places. And Kristen, you are joining us too. Um, mm -hmm. And you are an interesting finder of things for your altars. Oh, yeah. I like to go um, what I call shopping with Hecate. <laughs> <laughs> shopping with Hecate. Okay. Let's, okay. Now I'm curious. You got to explain a little bit about what the shopping with Hecate is. So I guess more or less you call it kind of like a correspondence quest or whatever. Like I'll 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 need a specific item and I'll just spend a day and I'll just go like follow a trail, you know, and I almost always find what I'm looking for. But you know, I just try to just sort of let Hecate lead me where I need to go, you know, and I'll, I'll rummage around thrift stores and stuff. And I think there's something really beautiful about bringing new life to um you know, old things. So yeah, that's something I like to do. So definitely. So I like, like the mix of, you yeah. know, like the new objects that we know, like Liz, you carefully select and curate everything that you sell. Um, and then also, you know, the, like you said, follow, go ahead, shopping with Hecate. I go shopping with Hecate too. Let's just say, this is what, I desire, I feel, I feel this um, and whatever. Sometimes it is a specific object, but a lot of times it's like, I'm doing this spell or I'm doing this ritual or I'm kind of down in the dumps and I want to feel better, um, whatever it is. And then the thing will appear. So sometimes it's kind of like intention led and other times it'll be completely, I'm just doing something unrelated. And the perfect thing is right there. So, yeah. Okay, Liz, as someone who is very organized and very Taurus and an expert on beautiful objects, you don't mind if I call you that, do you? I, I will accept that title. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So when it comes to creating an altar, maybe we should start with that because I think beauty in an altar is like, it's definitely in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so what's beautiful to one of us may not be appealing to another. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, like when we were prepping to do this conversation, you know, we were, you were talking about different things that you have on your altar and, you know, did I have any kind of stipulations about what I wanted you to talk about or share? And I was like, no, whatever, whatever you want, because altars, I think, are ultimately really personal. Mm -hmm. And and I think they have a lot more meaning. So what are, so for everyone who's here with us live, so I should have said that earlier. So for everyone who's um, joining us on the pod version or the recorded version of this, we're actually doing this for the first time with a live group. So we're excited. It's usually just us without an audience, but we have an audience today. Um, so they're here with us. We have some slides that we're gonna be putting up and we'll make the slides available with the recordings as well. So let's jump right into our slides. So Liz, should we do the big kind of teaser reveal too about what the background is for these slides? I think that might be fun. Do you want to say Liz? No, oh, you, you want me Liz? to say it? We are um, coming out with a new altar cloth that you can see the design on the background of the slides. Um, and it will be first available at the Crossroads and Keys retreat in Covina. So that's in August. Uh, we are super excited. And um, Margie and Cindy worked really hard to get this design fabulous. And I can't wait to see it in person. And I can't wait to show it to all of you in person. It's going to be great. I know it's going to be great. Uh, and don't forget, Kristen was there doing some late night. Yes. Chris, well, Kristen too. and Melanie were, yes, they were both. But I wanted to make sure we give special props to Margie. Yeah, so we're with like all that. the illustrations that are featured on the design. We're super excited about this design. And we thought how fitting to do a class on altars and have as the background the new altar cloth that we'll be offering. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to beauty. So to me, this altar is really beautiful. I love this altar. My Strophilos tray has wax over it because to me, when things are have signs that they have been well used, that adds to the beauty and joy that I take from it. So I don't like things that are pristine. I'd like things that have signs that they have been used. So my everything on that altar is completely clean, but I leave like wax and so on on different things because I love it. So what's your take on that, Liz? Um, I think, yeah, there's definitely, to me, there's definitely a difference between like dust or like just debris and like um, signs of love and care. 
because to me that's a sign of love and care right it's you've obviously used that tray you've done work with that tray it has it has energy from the working you've done so why would you take that part away from it um but I definitely every once in a while do like to get a little handheld vacuum and get like all the the grimies and stuff (laughs) (laughs) give my altar cloth a good washing if it gets too much wax on it that kind of thing um but you know my altar because I'm more focused on stones lots of stones get kind of dusty and leave little debris everywhere so like I've, I've got one stone that just kind of leaves leaves its little stardust everywhere and <laughs> to get rid of it every once in a while it's like way too much but that's a good point with stone stones are a little bit different so do you have any tips um like if stones do get dusty um well if it's a stone that can get wet you can always you can wash them like they're you can as long as it's one that can get wet um, even if it technically shouldn't get wet, if it's under that Mohs um, 7.0 on the hardness scale, which is kind of like the the easiest quick one shot way to to figure that out, um, you know, a little bit of water on a paper towel is not going to kill anybody, right? Like I doubt anybody listening or watching this has one of the types of minerals that if you touch it to water, it's going to explode, right? We don't generally keep those in our houses, so. Um, you know just a little bit uh, a wet paper towel usually you don't need soap like soap kind of then you're gonna have residue and stuff all over it um if you happen to have like that um concentrated air to clean out your keyboard like sometimes that can be really useful to kind of get in those crevices especially if you've got like a you know amethyst cave or a quartz cluster that kind of thing um but just be delicate with them you know be 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 kind they're your friends you want them to last so so I mentioned when we were first starting about how like an altar to me is like a helpmate and a friend and I was thinking about altars altars have a conscious like they have a personality you know they have a well-created altar I view it like as like a being Mm-hmm. that you know and it has a personality and the characteristics are the correspondences and the spirits that I place on that altar and it creates something um that is its own being that is like that is a a way into the vastness of all of the things that are on my altar does that make sense mm-hmm yeah, and it's also going to be a reflection of you, right? Like what you find works in your altar may not look like what I would put on my altar or the way I would arrange my altar because we're the ones doing it, right? We have, I think it's the most important thing for any you know, altar or blessing space is that you find it useful, right? So it needs to work for you. It doesn't need to work for Instagram or it doesn't need to work for the witch down the street it needs to look like what it needs to look like for you whatever that is whatever space you have be it big or small or vertical or horizontal you know just give that space some love and see what you can create out of it I think you'll be happy and it can be something really simple too mm-hmm. um, you know because I love these elaborate altars that have all kinds of things in that that have great meaning for me 
uh, and then like you said they can be vertical so then I have like this whole wall has kind of become an altar and I call the altar in the apothecary my inspo altar because I put up cards and things that I'm connecting with so I have so many altars I think my whole life is an altar well, now we're going to get to like the philosophical land, right? right. Like what is an altar? Right. What is words? What are words? <laughs> right. What is an altar? My life is an altar. And my life is an offering, I guess. And yeah, and I, I just, I was thinking about, like you said, it's not something for Instagram or, you know, what you think an altar should look like. An altar should ultimately bring you joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. If it doesn't bring you joy, one, try moving things around because maybe the energy is just a little grumpy and it needs to be shifted. But two, if it doesn't bring you joy, then, you know, start over. See, maybe put less on it. You know, I think sometimes we, we get so fixated on like, this thing has to be on my altar and I have to have, okay, well, if I put this statue of this goddess on here that I need to have 12 correspondences that go with this goddess you know all these things and all of a sudden it kind of becomes like anxiety inducing because they get they can get so busy because mm -hmm. we feel like we have to have all these things so I my recommendation is always just kind of strip it down to what you feel is like absolutely required for you not that anybody is telling you it's absolutely required and then just start like slowly adding things back on and see mm -hmm. how you feel and maybe add one thing and then move it somewhere else on the altar the next day you know like really spend some time with it and kind of let let it tell you what it wants and build that relationship with it I think a, a good altar to me is like a really good stone like it just you can build that relationship but it takes time to kind of like feel each other out and I think it takes time for us to discern like what kind of that optimal level of energy that emanates from the altar will be. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, you know, if it feels too, first of all, I think in many ways, altars can become a mirror to us. So if we are bringing a lot of anxiety to it, without being conscious of it. It's very mm -hmm. different than if we say, I am feeling anxious. I am going to create this altar to soothe me. So I am calmer and I'm going to select stones and botanicals that will calm and nourish me. But if we're not conscious of our emotional state, then I think we're more likely to instinct, perhaps like in a line yeah, it might amplify that anxiety. I think anxiety yeah. is a good one because, I mean, there's so many things to be anxious about. It never ends. Um, you know, so it's like, oh, I am anxious and I don't want my altar to reflect it back at me. I want to lay my anxiety on the altar so that it is transmuted into calm, contentment, clarity. So I think that's a really good point. It's just, like being intentional mm -hmm. when you're creating the altar. And I think if you're feeling, I have to do an altar a certain way, or 
Hecate will get mad at me or I'll attract the wrong spirits. Um, I think if you're bringing a lot of that anxiety to creating an altar or anything magical or spiritual, um, that it can cause some challenges if yeah, you are not then, being mindful that you're feeling that way. Yeah, you know, so that kind like of the... self-reflection that you know what you're doing, what's going on in you before you do anything like that. Yeah, it's just like there's gonna be kind of that film, right? That just that that small haze of anxiety just kind of like hanging. I'm pointing at my altar for those of you who are watching. Okay. I'm not just like okay. randomly flinging my hand. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think kind of related to all this, um, but something that's important to acknowledge is like, as we change as people, our altars should probably also change, right? The altar that worked for you a year ago may not be the altar that optimally works for you today. Like it, it it's good to recognize that especially when you're doing the work in Covina and you're kind of working through some difficult things, maybe, you know, what, what you wanted a year ago or what made sense for you a year ago may not be the same as for now or for the future. So there's nothing wrong with changing it, right? Like there's no hard and fast rule that this is what your altar has to look like and it has to stay that way forever. Oh, exactly. Or that it has to be like in the photo, more of a traditional altar, um, the type of altar I talk a lot about is um, based around an ascara or a, like a, a tray that comes from, um, you know, ancient records about how Hecateans would have potentially made their chthonic altars low to the ground in the, in the past. You don't have to have that. Whatever works for you. And you know what I keep thinking about? And I, I didn't have a, the time to go and downstairs and pull it pull this out but I remember reading like I don't know 25 30 years ago I think it's called the witch's bible by the Ferrars. are you either of you familiar with this mm -mm. okay so maybe some of you are familiar with this and I remember reading it and they have like you have to put your athame here and you have to do this here and you have to do that here and this and everything has to be a certain way and you have to have a, a pentacle or a pentagram on the altar and every, you have to have a blade and a chalice. And I remember, like I said, looping back for me like 25, 30 years ago, I was doing all these things from a performative aspect. Although to me, it never felt like my altar. I was making a altar mm -hmm. um, because I mean, we do in the Keeping Her Keys book, um, you know, I talk about the witch's tools and I have my tools, but it's never been something that I necessarily want on my altar. Mm -hmm. um, and although I love pentacles and pentagrams as a personal power symbol that I connect with, I have never connected with that. Give me a strophalos any day. Um, you know, so I think like looping back to the witch's Bible, which I, I, I even at the time, I thought that was an unfortunate name choice. Um, but, you know, just, and just thinking about, you know, like, oh, you have to have all these things. And if you don't have all these things and you're doing it wrong. And I, I really don't want anyone to feel that way. Um, you know, if you can have a candle, like a candle can be an altar. 
And if you can't have a can, a tin box can be an altar. Like a tin, right. Right? I mean, like anything can be an altar. A small collection of seashells that you picked up on a trip can be an altar. Like it's, 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 you're not going to fail altering if you don't have all the things, you know, that we talk about today or that you see in photos or whatever. Like, I think that to me, that is the heart of what I want to talk about in this episode is like, you can't fail altars. There is no fail. There's there only, is no altar fail. There's only the altars that work for you, whatever that is. And however many of them you have and however large or small they are, they're all altars and they're all wonderful. And don't let anybody make you feel bad about them or judge them or whatever. Because it really, it, it loops to meaning. Like if yeah. that collection of seashells to you is evocative of Hecate Inalia. Hecate is a goddess of the sea. If it loops to you to the element of water and to the oceans or another goddess or spirit connected to the oceans, if that collection of seashells means that for you, then that, that is your altar of Inalia. Exactly. And it, I would say if you were if I, you know, like rewound back to like Cindy back 20, 25 years ago, you know, those, like those altars didn't have a great deal of meaning to me because I wasn't connecting mm -hmm. to any of the things that I was putting on there. Yeah. You were trying to build an exemplar of an altar. You weren't trying to build Cindy's altar, right? Those are such different things. Like the platonic solid of altar you know, from philosophy, the kind of that idea of what the ideal altar would be. Well, nobody, nobody's actually going to connect, I think, to what the ideal altar would be, because like, it probably is terrible. So don't, don't try to make the ideal altar. Try to make your altar. Okay. Make, make your own you. altar. Okay, I Kristen. feel like also, um, I mean, just like any relationship, right? You can't force a connection. You mm -hmm. can't force a connection. You know what I mean? I think that's so true that like an altar is a secure attachment figure in a sense, because when I think of attachment theory, one of the best definitions of secure attachment is that it provides a safe base from which to explore the world and it offers support and understanding and you can trust in it. And in the past, like, so I kind of had those altars that turned out to be duds for me, but then way back in the day, because I am super Gemini Scorpio mode and I want like all the witchcraft and all the things, sometimes I would create like hyper altars. You know, there'd be, it's just too much, it's too much. Um, and instead of getting like that fine mist of energy emanating, and that secure base vibe where it's like, well, I can talk to you. But most of the time we are in companionable silence, you know, like that good silence when you're with someone you really trust. And then when I do, whether it's my like daily practice or um, whatever, or then, you know, I can I connect more like a conversation. 
And then sometimes the altar actually will has has things to say on its own and will get my attention, but it's never overwhelming to me now. Like it's never overwhelming disconnect or it's never overwhelming hyper altar where all of the spirits are kind of like jibber jabbering at me all the time. There's a really nice sense of equanimity and, and companionship I have with my altars. So Kristen, I saw you kind of light up when I said about hyper altars. Have you had experiences with hyper altars? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about um, attainment, what you were saying, equanimity and attainment. Like just coming, you come into attainment with it, like when you work with it. And like um, when you create an altar that speaks to you, you know, that you resonate with, like that, that attunement is going to strengthen, like that bond is going to deepen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the hyper altars, um, I have definitely made like just some big elaborate shebang, like art piece altars. <laughs> For sure. And it's like, they just won't quiet down. They're yeah. like, attention seekers or you know they're very demanding yeah there's so much it's like it's just too much to keep up with okay so a lot of energy coming at you right so and it's okay if there's too much energy coming up like off of your altar you can talk to it and say dial it down we are magical beings who are connected to the deeper world of spirits so talk to your altar i think that's my number one tip is after create your altar that speaks to you this is probably going to take some time and it will evolve and change as you grow my number two tip is just talk to your altar like you would to any companion um and that can be you know more formal like you might have different scripts that you you know like things that other people have written or you might write your own or it can just be just talk to it I talk to my altar all the time. Liz, do you talk to your altar? Um, yeah, I don't know that I always do it verbally, but I like it sits here like um, this is my office and it's it's in my office. It's So I'm next to it pretty much the whole day. So sometimes when I'm talking to myself, I think I'm really talking to it and myself <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> give, give, give my little Hecate or my little Athena a little look. We might have a little conversation before we continue with our day about what's going on in life in general. I like that. And I'll look over, mine's right behind me, and I'll I'll look over my shoulder at it and be like, well, what did you think of that? <laughs> like a companion. Kristen, do you talk to your altar? You know, I, I feel like I communicate with my altar. I don't, maybe verbally, uh, not so much, but I feel like we're in communion all the time yes that's it there's that mm -hmm. there's a flow of connection and and something that's like i said it's like when you're with a trusted companion that you're close to there's like that sense when you get a really great altar going that it's just that sense that all is well in the world and that we're in this together okay so here's a slide with a bunch of stuff that i just went through and kind of featured different things you can have on your altar. This is my current altar. So anointing oil, uh, cleansing oil, or sorry, cleansing, which is Circe's filter, cards, in this case, spirit cards from Covina, symbols, 
uh, the sacred flame, a candle, personal power objects, sacred smoke, sacred water, candles. Okay, so I am curious to know more about your personal power objects. Liz, what are some personal objects that you put on your altar? I think we have- um, your So I kind of have two categories. One are particular stones, which will surprise no one um, that there are particular stones that I keep on my altar. <laughs> um, so that is a photo of my altar and kind of it's naked state. Okay. Um, like for me, that's naked except for the beginning of the year. Uh, the beginning of the year, I go all the way down to the bones and okay. start up. Um, but I, the things that I leave on there, um, on the Strophilus is my my spell of the year, um, and the the icon of Hecate that corresponds with my spell of the year and my epithet of the year. Um, that quartz flame behind it is like my primary power baby. So she never leaves my altar. Um, and then uh, I have some of those little resin um, goddesses that just mean different things to me. I kind of ascribe different meanings to different ones. I've got a million of them. Um, and so those three don't leave the altar. And then um, up top, so that box is actually my, my original Systemistica that does not really get opened very often anymore. So she's also a nice ledge for all my icons to sit on. Um, and I keep my Hecate and my Athena up there. I've got the prime piece of Covina quartz from that pocket of quartz that I bought us a while ago. Um, so that lives on my altar. And then um, up on the wall, so my wall space, I also consider a part of my altar. Um, I've got that macrame hanger. And so that's a really, that's what I use to put spirit cards or if there's an oracle card or a tarot card that I'm particularly working with, I'll clip it up there. Or, you know, if there's a piece of art that feels like it wants to live up there for a while, you know, whatever. Um, and then on the other wall, I have a, um, a lovely illustration from our friend Margie that I bought from her. I believe it was a Redbubble store. Um, so that's her Triformus, like I say, that lives up there as well. I love that. So what are we looking at here? So like so that's for me is my emptiness. Bones. Yeah, that's my bare bones. That's your bare bones. <laughs> so my, my bare, bare bones. bones is this. <laughs> We're very different people, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> my bare bones is strip it bare um, and start again. So I do like to do that to a varying degree. Like I do it like all the way back to the bare bones at least a few times like a year probably like around the, the start of every season mm. and then I do it in the apothecary I do the same thing like I strip absolutely everything out of there um, a few times a, like a year generally around the seasonal starts and uh, I like reflective surfaces so I have mirrors behind me and then I have these cool Greek key mirrors so this is just mm -hmm. a photo of when I put them in thought that you might be some interested in that I like reflection because it offers protection and then it also helps to kind of disperse uh the altar energy so it's just one way to do an altar plus Greek keys are cool um okay candles we should talk about candles Kristen 
Yes. So I have these LEDs because I know a lot of times we might not be able to have um, traditional candles. So I have a lot of LEDs on the candle, on the, my altar behind me because this one here in my office is in a bookcase and I don't want to set it on fire. Um, so this slide is just, um, like I said, we'll share the slides. It's just a way to kind of stuff a candle holder so you can have a botanically infused candle that's LED. So that's just what's going on in the slide if you're looking at it. So talk to us, Kristen, about like how you put the sacred flame, like how you work with your candles. Do you use LEDs or traditional candles? Um, the only time that I use LEDs generally is if I'm doing a spell or something and I want to leave it burning for a really long period of time and I can't tend to it. But otherwise, I'm a big fan of traditional candles. And I have this one right here. It's like rolled in botanicals and, you know, like I'll add sigils. And I also I'm a big fan of um, like elaborate candle holders like these have a little empty space down here where I'll put like stones and botanicals or like, you know, um, incantations or like whatever, you know, whatever I'm working on. Um, so yeah, that's what I like to do. So when we light the candle on the altar, because fire is so emblematic of Hecate um, and as like that connection to source, to... Mm -hmm what is deeper like what goes beyond the civilized because fire is sacred and it's also like wild that it's not of it's not of the man-made world it's something greater than us mm -hmm. it's like Hecate is something greater than us so I definitely recommend if that's the only thing you have on your altar have some kind of fire yeah you know, um, I want to say I had this, I remember, and I remember it so vividly, I had this really powerful experience when I built my first altar to Hecate, and something happened. It was like when I connected, um, the fire almost felt electric, you know, like I'm a big fan of talking about the illuminated circuitry. It was like, you know, someone turned the lights on, and I just felt so connected, and I could sort of like feel that portal energy. You know what, I, does that make sense at all? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, definitely a candle, if anything. I, I think because the candle, like it, it kind of decivilizes us too. Like oh, yeah. it feels nourishing, but it's also us stepping away from, like if we can't have a traditional candle, it's us stepping away from kind of like the man-made world in a right. sense. I mean, you can have those experiences with LEDs too. Mm -hmm. but it's just like that reminder of something more powerful than us and like you said it you can and it's a way to connect it's a way to focus ourselves um on and, Hecate and so on you know what I mean like it gives mm -hmm. us something to kind of align with mm -hmm. and this idea that like fire is regenerative, I think gives it a whole lot of power. You know what I'm saying? It's like that focal point can spread outward. Does that make sense? I hope I make perfect sense. sense. <laughs> okay. Um, more lighting. I like my elaborate lighting on my altar. It glows, makes me happy. Okay, statues. So we've done candles, number one thing, statues. 
huge confession time for me. I didn't own what people might consider a proper statue of Hecate till about six years ago. I had this bronze uh, Persephone that I bought when I was really like 20 um, at an antique auction. And that was the only statue I ever had. And then I thought I should take some pictures. So I bought a statue of Hecate. So I love my statues. But if I had to choose between a, a statue and a candle, I would always choose a candle. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you're only gonna have one, I think that the the living flame is probably what I would go with too. Yeah, like I I love my statues. I think I tend to prefer statues that are not what other people prefer. Like I don't like mine to have faces necessarily. I kind of like them a little bit more abstract, a little less defined. Um, to me, they feel a little more portally that way. Like I'm not forcing features mm -hmm. onto the energy. Um, and I have a couple that kind of depending on what's happening can kind of represent one or two different energies. Um, so yeah, I, I do like my little statues. <laughs> I have a lot of them. <laughs> I'm just looking at them. Because again, I think they help us focus the attention like on Hecate or on ancestors or on, you know, whoever we're connecting with. The spirit um, osprey, Seahawks are very important to me. So I have a little like shrine that I made that I'll, I'll take out. And that just helps me to connect to the spirit of osprey. It's not yeah, that the spirit yeah. of osprey is trapped in my altar right right like for me i especially if i'm going to work with a new epithet that i haven't worked with before for hecate like i i find myself gravitating towards finding some sort of icon if it's a statue or it's like more of a you know relief or something that feels like it has the energy of that epithet for me uh, just, i feel like my practice yeah, I feel like I should say like I've been it like it's nice to have an elaborate statue, you know. But like if you don't, I've been in places where I've used a photograph or like I've even drawn a picture of like I could say I've, I've even used a sticker. I think um, yeah, you know, yeah, like a little sticker from your shop. Yeah, so an icon of Hecate, as long as you connect to it um, and it's special for you, like it doesn't have to be a big expensive statue. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I think I've mentioned this in other places before, but I purposely don't carry specific icons of Hecate in my shop because I don't want to like force my vision of, of what she is or who she is on other people. And I feel like because my shop is related to Covina, like that would have some sort of potentially authority idea, you know, like this is the Covina Hecate or whatever yeah. so I've just chosen not to because I think it's I would rather people go find you know small artisans or something and find the statues that work for them or the plaques that work for them or the photographs that work for them or whatever mm -hmm. the symbols that work for them right you know, there's mm -hmm. no requirement that you have to have like a personified statue on your altar at all mm -hmm. you know whether it's the candle or maybe it's the strophalos for you or some keys um, you know, they can all be icons of Hecate. Mm -hmm. what, whatever connects. Um, now, I have these wood statues from Lego Wood, which are quite lovely. Um, 
and I very much enjoy them. So cleansing them once in a like again for me it's a seasonal thing. I will give them a spritz of Circe's filter, uh, and then I anoint them with Olium Spirita. Um, you know, you've got like a quite a collection that always live on your altar, Liz. So do you do anything? Like, do oh you yeah, do I I give them like them? a I give them like a nice little spritzy once once a week or so. Just kind of give the air over here a little bit of a of a regeneration, you know, anything that might be stagnant, just kind of spray some cleansing Cersei's filter and get that moving right on out the window. Luckily, there's a window right here. So it just haze, like you said, if it gets hazy over there. Yeah, just just I don't need to see it in the corner of my eye. Let's just move it along and shove it out the window. And I wonder like if that haze, it's so interesting. It's like is the altar getting miasma? Is the altar getting polluted? Because like are the is the actual altar getting polluted? Or is it like you said, it's like this haze between me and the altar? Sometimes I feel like it's maybe just the space, like not the altar necessarily, but just the space. And like that's where I'm most attuned to the energies. Right. So it might just be that the energy of my office is kind of gunky. But the place that I see it or the place that I really feel it is the place where I do my connecting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm wondering if that happens because the altar is doing its work. Mm-hmm. It's you know, letting you know. Lay, your, lay like, your burdens on the altar. So if there's pollution in the air, it's like it's naturally drawn to the place where there are objects that can... Help or contain that energy or even like let you know it's there you know just like a just a hey by the way kind of gross in here let's kind of spray it out let's open a window (laughs) i like that it's like how you always tell me the truth liz it's like (laughs) someone really cares about you they tell you the truth the author's like there is a problem here let's yeah let's just have some breathing space yeah <laughs> especially especially if you do keep your altar in a place where you can have heavy emotions you know like i'm i i own two businesses this is where i work not every day is sunshine and roses mm-hmm. right so some days are going to suck and my altar happens to be right here so yes i do sometimes turn and talk to it but also like i'm sure it does sometimes absorb some of the energy of I sucky days so it's just kind of um you know when I talk about connecting with stones I talk about doing things for them like giving cleansing them that kind of thing it's the same thing with the altar right like performing a small service of cleansing the space and giving it a refresh is I think just part of building that relationship okay so we've got a candle we've got an icon of Hecate we've Mm -hmm. talked about cleansing things and anointing things so to me, like when I anoint with the oil or burn sacred smoke, which is so important to me, that the botanicals in the oil or in the smoke, they are almost like, I want to say lubricant, but that sounds horrible. But 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 you know, they're they're like they help me connect to the greater spirit that is symbolized by the tangible object does that make Mm -hmm. sense 
I know that's an unfortunate word choice, but <laughs> but but I can't think like I've been trying to articulate like why do we vivify objects? I think it's with, a, it's 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 about like placing a specific and this is this again this is going to sound dumb an intentional intention right like <laughs> but you know what i mean like uh, it's, yes it's i am focusing on this object right now and i think a lot of things that are considered ritual work are about setting that intentional intention this is my focus right now this is where my energy is going this is what i want this thing to do and having the ritual aspects of applying the oil or applying, you know, a spray or, or lighting the smoke helps you get into that mindset. I to think. be intentionally intentional. Intentionally intentional. How many times can we say it? I'll probably say it 10 more times before we're done. <laughs> okay. So we've got candles, correspondences. So personal power stones for you, I know are really important, Liz. Um, so what are some of the personal objects you have on yours, Kristen? On my altar? Yeah. Um, so I have this thing with walnuts. Um, I have lots of little walnut trinkets and I have um, personal art, a lot of personal art drawings and paintings and stuff. And also um, family heirlooms. Mm. um are big for me I think you've seen once I made um a candle out of a gravy boat like a silver gravy boat that I got from my grandmother I like to make it personal so bring in that aspect of honoring your ancestors yeah. um, and healing like backwards healing yeah and help you know helping them heal as you heal yourself that's really beautiful okay Liz you have some very posh looking stones that I know nothing about in this photo of your altar so you have to tell us a little bit about what's going on there okay so um at on the box the first change on the box is every month as part of my transition of the month i take my set of 13 stones from hecate's stones from your from hecate's cave um the 13 stones that we work with in covina and i reorient them so the stone we're working with that month is in the center and okay. then i put my small piece of covina quartz like right in front of it just kind of like for me because I do you know do the stone lessons and stuff in Covina it's important for those to have a prominent place on my altar to me uh, and then down below I've got my fresh altar cloth I have um, the elemental organs so those are um, resins uh, resin pyramids with um, various stone chips and other things in them I have them oriented so that they are in the appropriate direction based on where my altar sits. Uh, and then in the center, normally I would have a colored candle, um, but y'all bought me out of the green ones for next month. So I don't have any more <laughs> green ones to use. So I'm using a white one. Um, and then the two other things on there are the um, resin products that I'm starting to build for the store. Um, the resin correspondence strophiloses and then something fun I'm going to show you on the camera because I think it's really cool. I just made it last night. Um, it's a little offering bowl that's got um, stone chips in it. And normally I wouldn't use chips that are this big, but because Anodia is, um, you know, 
on the road and they kind of look like paving stones to me yeah so I was really <laughs> they just kind of worked normally I would use something smaller but um so this is the little this is like my little offering bowl that I'm gonna start working with and yeah it's been kind of a fun adventure to, to find ways to my whole thing this year is is merging correspondences together like figuring out ways to work with more than one at the same time mm. so the things like um you know making these little strophiluses with the chips and the um, botanicals in them and now trying to make the bowls and just see how that works like how how does that work for me and hopefully how does it work for other people so because it yeah because because it, that's really cool that you're doing the resin and I love those pyramids so do you sell those pyramids too no those I bought um a long time ago and I was for a long time I had to kind of leave them in storage because my altar didn't have space for them so when I got this, I bought this huge tray, which is the wood base that you see. Um, and it's actually screwed down into the cabinet that's underneath it. Uh, and it gave me like twice the altar space. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, I can finally unwrap these and give them the honor they deserve because they've just been sitting in this wrapped cloth for years. Um, so that's why they have such a prominent place. Because I was like, not only do I love them, but I kind of spent more than I should have spent on them and I've never been able to use them so now I want to use them all the time Liz I gotta say something before we move on your yes. altar cloth did you iron that uh no that is a fresh one for the photo oh that like is, a brand new one that's one from that's uh, <laughs> still in the shop um I grabbed it out of the inventory pile for the photo thanks so for telling on me uh, <laughs> it's like, that is the cleanest I'm okay. looking no my mine so we were talking about you know showing things with love and showing th there's a line for me between like there's some wax strips on this and this looks like a small child dribbled on it with their food like the wax <laughs> on my altar cloth that I was using is really kind of egregious so like okay this is beyond the limit of comfort I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do the thing I said I shouldn't do and make something that's slightly more Instagram appropriate and use <laughs> a fake. It's, I mean, it is, it's the like fake, that it's cloth I use. It's clean. It's just not the one I, the physical one I use. So, okay. So we've talked about altar cloths. So, and we did briefly talk about the Ascara. So I'm just trying to see like we're building up. So you can see my well loved altar cloth under here, the tray, the candle, icons of Hecate personal objects uh, in Covina. We, of course, you can have your personal objects and then we also have like our correspondences and our spirits of the month. So for me, that's pretty much a complete altar and add some cards if you like. Yeah, for me, I do keep my cards and my um, daily reading on my altar. What do you guys, do, do you keep them on your altar? Mm -hmm. And I just thought about something, I'm looking at botanical offerings, it's just like, you calling me um i always try to keep fresh botanicals on my altar too and uh speaking of shopping with hecate i just want to bring this up because it's something that i really love to do and i think that these flowers deserve a second chance but if you ever go in the grocery store or like the florist and they have like the clearance flowers like the roses and stuff um i always buy like roses and flowers to keep on my altar well i love that now i up here where that's kind of like a boxy space i like I have to get creative, but I always have flowers and botanicals on my altar as offerings to Hecate too. 
So we've got, so now we've covered offerings. What haven't we kind of touched upon yet? Mm. We've talked about sacred smoke, the sacred water for sacred cleansing. Water. So I keep a, a bowl of water. I'm fortunate enough to live, like we have well water and it uh, have like an ecological filtration system. So my water is very pure it never touches chemicals, the water that comes out of the taps in my house. So I'm really fortunate that way. Um, moon water would be another type of water. Spring, I think you use spring water for your water on your altar, don't you, Kristen? I do. Mm -hmm. And I usually use rainwater because I live in the Northwest and usually we have rain. <laughs> Unless it's a million degrees out there. <laughs> Sometimes I, I use... Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. Sometimes Kristen. I use um lake water, you know, because like mm -hmm. that's part of my own uh, personal crossroads. Um, where I go to commute with Hecate is like the convergence of land, sea, and sky, which is a lake near me. So sometimes I'll like take a little jug of lake water, and that's what I use. And that's a good point too, like bringing in. So Liz had those elemental pyramids, and then it's bringing in land, sea, and sky. So that's something. Like I always attend to on an altar. So the water for sea, uh, the smoke can be sky, but also like land because you've got the botanicals on there. And then for me, some aspect that creates cross, like, like the, you know, the kind of the undertow energy of a crossroads with Hecate. So like the strophalos, which of course is like a labyrinth that's full of things that weave together, but some type of crossroads energy and keys for me. I always had to have keys on my altar as a symbol of Hecate. And I would take my keys probably over like one of these beautiful statues too, because the keys have such deep personal meaning for me. Mm -hmm. I tend to keep... Um some of my stone jewelry I hadn't gotten to that part yet when I because that's still kind of an in-progress photo of my altar being reset up uh, but I keep you know like some of my pendants and my bracelets my stone pendants and bracelets um, and my Covina pendant on on my altar unless I'm wearing them just to kind of have that energy with them so then they're kind of like little baby portable altars that I can wear as I go out into the world Right, because they're aligned to the energy that the altar is emanating. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, botanicals and stones, like scientifically, we know they emanate energy. Uh, and then from an archetypal and animistic perspective, any symbols, whether it's an icon of Hecate or for me, like an image of an osprey or even like an ancestor that you're because like from that is like that conduit that connects you to the deeper mm -hmm. larger thing entity being that is associated with it so so that there's lots of energy that is always like hovering around that altar that we can just dial into you know and talk to hecate like if talking to a statue of Hecate helps you connect to Hecate, talk to your statue of Hecate. Whatever, whatever kind of works for you. And 
I just want to finish up like talking about like how to make this into a cohesive being. Because sometimes I get asked, like, you shouldn't put the Morgan and Hecate on the same altar. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious in how you know, like, when there is that cohesiveness in your altar. Does this make sense, Kristen? It makes sense. Um, I'm, let me, I'm trying to figure out how to put it into words. I'm not sure it can be put like this is gonna sound silly but I'm not sure it can be put into words like to yeah. me it's a feeling it just like you know you look at it and you go yep yeah you know as opposed to you look at it and go mm, something feels unsettled but just when, once it's where it's supposed to be I just at least for me I look at it and I say yeah that's that's what it is it's, it's kind of like cooking you know yeah. when you you know well this needs more spice mm -hmm. or that has too much spice in it. you know like it's like there, there's that whole intuitive function mm -hmm. that so I think when you're creating your own altars that connect you to spirits and so on it's very mm -hmm. different than if you're creating like an altar that has to follow a certain formula, like a, a, a dogmatic kind of altar. Mm -hmm. Because it becomes like there's a flow, there's a connection between right. you and the altar. I think if that makes sense. And you know when it is achieved cohesiveness and it's not scattered. And um, and then, so I think it's really different. Like, like Liz, you have a bunch of goddess icons on your altar. I do. They're almost all Hecate though. Okay. Um, they're either all, they're either, let's see, there's Hecate, Athena, and Morai are my primary. Um, and like, but my personal cosmology is that they're all different faces of the same thing. So mm -hmm. to me, it feels, it doesn't feel, uh, I mean, I don't think it, I don't necessarily think it would feel conflicting anyways, but, uh, to me, it's more different aspects of the same thing that I'm I'm working with, um, and so if I find a statue that speaks to me of part of that energy that isn't already represented, and I kind of want to represent it, then I buy the statue. Um, it doesn't feel conflicting to me to have like multiple Hecates or multiple Athenas, um, especially because one of the Athenas is one that I made myself, the clay goddess that we made last year that I was, and I I made her a little owl. And the out the goddess, eh, but the little owl is my favorite thing that I have ever made. So they're staying on the altar forever. Well, they're they're great. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to think if I had an experience where I put like I feel like it like, would be if if they're all if they're all if we're talking about different goddesses or you know a god and a goddess or whomever, but they're entities that you work with. Mm -hmm. that seems inherently contradictory to me to to the idea that you couldn't have them together on an altar i agree because they're they're entities that you are working with mm -hmm. you are one person you so i guess to me that that's just 
like a not that's not a concept that makes sense to me because of the of the the preface because of the setup because of the situation right the situation is i am one person and i am working with these different entities well they all must i mean it makes sense that they would all know that i'm working with them so obviously they have some sort of okayness with that fact why would why would they care even if even if for your personal cosmology even if they are you know separate individual beings like they obviously are okay working with you and this other being. So why would they care if they're on the same altar? I feel like you're the unifier in that yeah. scenario, right? It's your altar, right? It's, yeah. it's your altar. So yeah, that's where I, I totally agree, Kristen. That's where I'm at. Okay, so let's finish up talking with talking about how do you work with an altar? Like, what do you do with an altar? You sit at it and you love it and you pet it. No. <laughs> but yes, kind um, of. Admire it. Uh, like I do my, you know, daily practice next to it. Um, it's kind of awkward to sit like this. So I'm usually sitting here, but it's right next to me. Um, you know, it's where I store, where I keep my journal when I'm not actively writing in it. Um, and if I'm if I do have an active spell or blessing bowl or some situation like that, um, unless it's not appropriate to have on my altar, which would be very rare, it's it's something I kind of move things around for to make space and keep it there as well. But it's just, I think most of the time for me, it's just kind of like just having this energy next to me is really yeah. useful. It just kind of helps me center myself, even if I'm not doing something actively that is spiritual in nature at that moment it's just like having that energy I almost unless it's a million degrees in here I try to always have my candle lit on my altar just because I feel like that brings it to life for me mm -hmm. um and so sometimes just walking in here and seeing that is enough oh that's so true you just just to and just to know that it's there like when I walk mm -hmm. in the room and I see it it's like that's right whatever I'm going through there is this place of beauty and connection that I can turn to and like be renewed, be restored mm -hmm. and find joy no matter what's going on in my life. Um, so Kristen, how do you work with your altar? Uh, very similar to Liz. Um, I think it's just uh, a place where I like to have that energy. I keep mine in my office because I spend most of my time up here and it's kind of like a curio. Um, and I keep all of my, you know, journals and like sacred crafting things and stuff like down in the cabinet below, like I keep all of that stuff like close together. Um, yeah, uh, I pray a lot in my altar. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I do all the daily things, daily workings, and I'm very hands on. Like it's not, you know, for me, it's not like this really pretty sort of energy grid. Like I'm all hands in, you know what I mean? Like I'm holding the stones and I'm holding spirit cards and I just get like really really connected to all of the correspondences and all of the components of my altar I'm yeah like I do it, a lot too know. like I'm very kinetic or kinetic kinesthetic you know very yeah. like hands-on yeah. I like to touch the things and move them around it's like a spiritual yeah. sandbox 
Yeah. And like, if I'm walking by, you know, or I'm like walking through the house or something, I'll just take a second to just stop and yeah. you know, put my hand on my Hecate statue. Like just, you know, connect. It's like a little boost, a little energy boost. Right. I like the sacred smoke. I like the smoke in the cauldron and they just be like, everything is okay. Yeah. I can do this. And like yeah. you said, like in practice, say your prayers at the altar, talk to Hecate at your altar be inspired by it like the one i have in here um all set up in there all the time it's just like this font of inspiration for me um and then i have a private one in my bedroom that's where i have my heart to hearts with hecate um you know at the top of a high bureau so i can kind of instead of it being more cathodic closer to the ground it's kind of high up and at the end of the day i kind of rest my elbows on it um, and I have like an icon of Hecate, uh, one of Isis that I've had forever, um, and just some little things. And I just put my elbows up there and I just be like, well, this is how this day went. You know, like, um, what would you want me to do about whatever the situation is? So that's that's a really different kind of an altar because it's more like when I go into that space and I see that altar at the end of the day, it's like my cue uh, that it's time to, to have more, like it's a more intimate altar because I never share pictures of it. You'll never, none of you will ever see it uh, as opposed to this one, which everybody sees in all of its different forms. So to me, they're almost like different expressions though of, or different moods of the same thing that's difficult to articulate, right? Like, so this altar is more like showy. It's more like, yes, it is my job to help you teach Cindy. So this is what we do together. <laughs> and then in here, it's more like my Gemini happy zone where I have cards and different pictures and all kinds of things happening. And it's a little bit much for, I think, you know, there's a lot. And then in my bedroom, it's very simple and intimate, but they're all about the same being. You know, they're all like Hecate in her deeper world. And like we were saying, Liz, whether it's the Mirai, aka the Fates, Athena, uh, for me, like Isis, to me, that's a different expression of the same thing, the sacred feminine. So I don't really see them competing um, against each other. I think the stories from mythology are interesting, but they're like humanizing what is so much greater than us. And I don't, for me, the, the divine doesn't, my experience is that the, the divine doesn't act like Zeus and Hera and the gang. Like for me, those are, I don't know if that makes sense. They usually get along quite well. Um, yeah, so let's see if there's anything else we haven't covered. No, I think we've done, I think we have covered uh, really just this introduction to working with altars. I hope we've inspired you to think about altars as an expression of what is sacred and divine and the spirits that you connect with. And so like creativity is the way that we connect to what is greater and more meaningful. So have fun. Let your altar bring you joy. Um, and I look forward to seeing 
as many pictures of altars as I can for the remainder of my days because I love, love looking at everyone's altars. So thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. And hail your altar. You can connect with Liz on social media and at materiamagicaea.com. You can find the link to Materia Magicaea in the show notes, and you will find so many glorious things for your altars at Materia Magicaea. She's also the stone instructor in Covina. She teaches classes and has many special things just for our coven. So check out Materia Magicaea. Kristen is an executive chef who lives in the Southern US. She's not super active on social media because she's so busy taking care of Hecate's kitchen. You'll find her in Covina with her recipes, spells, and more. We're loving this Bay lemonade. She has us all drinking. It's so great. Bay, of course, helps us to awaken our psychic powers and brings abundance. And it's just glorious. Um, Kristen and I are working on the uh, Hecate's Feast or Hecate's Supper project. And we will be leading a class on that in Covina in the next few weeks. We're focusing on making cheese as the ancient Greeks and Romans would have made uh, for their Hecate's Supper. So this is great fun. We'll do a pod about that when the time comes as well. So that's where you can connect with Liz and Kristen. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the Keeping Your Keys podcast, make sure you subscribe and share an episode on your social media. Answer the questions and just enjoy the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back soon.